0: Most people in most of the world, for most of history, have had no power in politics. They couldn't vote for their representatives or choose which wars to fight or taxes to pay. Most people have been and still are poor, vulnerable, and oppressed. Laith Anderson and Galen Carey in their book, Faith in the Voting Booth said that, and and they were illustrating the fact that we as Americans, and in other places around the world, of course, have the wonderful privilege of casting a vote as we seek to understand the issues involved, as we seek to get to know the people who would represent us and the like. Today's topic of discussion is this. How should we as Christians think about the political issues that we face, and how should we approach those issues and the decisions that those issues call upon us to make in a way, in ways that are consistent with the teaching of the Bible. I'm not going to be getting deeply into the issues, I'm going to mention a couple. It's unavoidable. But remember, this is not a podcast that concerns itself with what to think but rather how to think. I'll be talking about how we should frame issues and thereby reach decisions. So stay with me, because I'm Byron Harvey, and I'm just thinking. Well, welcome to I'm Just Thinking, where I invite you to ask Jesus into your head. Episode 7 of Season 1, as we consider this question How should we then vote? Got a long way to go today, so let's jump right into a discussion of the nature of political issues. I have a phrase, it's not all that original, uh, it's not all that special. But when I think about issues, I say this, there are a few, very few, of what I would call, at least reasonably, straight line issues. That's where we can draw a fairly straight line from the Bible to what our public policy ought to be, to what we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, ought to support politically. How many straight line issues are there? I mean, among the topics of disagreement, nobody argues about whether we should outlaw rape, right? We'll talk about about some things with regard to the broad consensus that we share as Americans that often gets underplayed. Talk about that later. How many straight-line issues are there? Answer, not very many. We can think of several that are pretty close, at least, to straight-line issues. I think of abortion. Yes, on the question of what the Bible says about human life and about how we are to regard it, there's not a real way we can avoid the truth that the fetus is... Human and thus to kill it is murder. Period. Now, there are all sorts of ancillary questions regarding the subject which are not as cut and dried, but I think that the core issue is biblically clear to take a human life is to murder. And from scripture, and I believe from science as well, by the way, the question of the humanity of the fetus is pretty clear cut. I call this a straight line issue. Another one that comes to mind involves issues of sexuality. We can say pretty clearly from scripture that the biblical sexual ethics involve only a man and a woman committed to each other in marriage. The only definition of marriage we encounter in Scripture is the same. And the morality of the issues involved is pretty clear. Yes, I know there's some who call themselves Christians who argue otherwise, but they really have to employ some dubious hermeneutics to arrive at such a conclusion. Or, or maybe and, they would deny what I believe is a a bedrock cardinal principle about Scripture, and that is the Bible is without error. Now, if you call yourself Christian and you say, well, I think the Bible's got errors, no two things. Number one, uh, you're taking a position that effectively no Christian, no person who would call themselves Christian would have taken that position 150 years ago. 150 years ago before the advent of what's called German higher criticism, if you call yourself a Christian, you believe the Bible is true completely. All right. So you've taken a relatively novel approach to the nature of the Bible, and biblical revelation itself. And number two, if you take the approach, that the Bible has errors and mistakes in it of one kind or another. There's no other way to put this. We are not on the same page about what it means to be a faithful Christian. I mean, there's, just no, there's just no way around that. I mean, I'm glad you're listening it's great but we're just not at all on the same page i could join hands with you to do a community event but i couldn't join hands with you to proclaim the gospel it's that serious a thing so yeah if you if you believe the bible has mistakes in it or if you don't employ a solid consistent hermeneutic to scripture maybe you can call your call yourself a christian and argue otherwise, but it's pretty clear that the biblical sexual ethic is one man and one woman, period, and no other. But how does that translate to policies for which we advocate as believers? We're going to talk about that question later on as we consider where policies come into play. And we we should remember, of course, when, when... when addressing this kind of issue, we we can say pretty clearly, there's a moral right and there's a moral wrong. But we also should remember that there are things that are moral which should be against the law. Did you know that? If you've thought about that, it's true. I can prove it in a minute. And there are things which are sinful which should be legal. There's really not anywhere near a one-to-one correspondence between the two. So, here's two examples prove what I'm saying. Moral, but not legal. Driving on the left-hand side of the road. I mean, of course, unless you're a Brit, of course, then the opposite would be true. It's not a moral issue. There's nothing morally right or wrong about which side of the road you drive on. But it should be illegal to drive on one of those two. Left-hand side here in the United States, right-hand side in Great Britain. Of course you want that to be illegal. We'd have chaos otherwise. Moral, but certainly not legal, and I'm glad that's the case. You say, well, but are there things that are illegal but sinful? Yeah. Anybody for criminalizing gluttony? I didn't think so. Bible talks about it clearly as sin, I don't want somebody policing my meal at Chewy's like I ate for lunch today, although I did not engage in gluttony at Chewy's today. Not that I haven't before. But let's move on from that. (laughs) So when we consider the subject of homosexuality and other questions of sexuality, we can more easily determine from Scripture the morality of some of those issues than we can what policy should be. Here's another one care for the poor. You know, the Bible has really clear and consistent and regular teaching that we should have as followers of Jesus, as the people of God, a concern for the poor. You can draw a straight line from the Bible to the importance of caring for the poor. But once again, how does that translate to policy? How do we care for the poor? and there are different perspectives on that and different approaches to that on different sides of the political spectrum, right? Undoubtedly, we could think of a few others besides these, but to try to to draw a straight line from the Bible's clear teaching to a whole lot of policy decisions is just bound to fail. We just can't so easily do that on many issues at all. There's something else to throw into this mix. Do you realize that on most issues of moral significance, and we'll hit you with something here, there is widespread agreement among people on all sides of the political spectrum. You don't hear that very often. You may not have thought much about that, but it's true. Most people agree on a significant percentage and number of moral issues. Yeah, I know. There's always a, a crazy somewhere uh, who disagrees with some of these things. I get it. But most people, vast majority. So let me let me list a few. Most people agree that it's wrong to murder people in cold blood. Sure, we may argue over whether or not the death penalty is appropriate, but on the core issue, there's little to no disagreement. We may differ some on what murder. Yeah, I mentioned abortion earlier. We may differ on the definition sometimes. But to to walk down the street, point a gun at somebody and shoot them in cold blood, who doesn't believe that's wrong? That's a moral issue. Everybody agrees on that. Most people agree it's wrong to steal from or cheat others. Again, there's a crazy or a loony here or two, here or there, one or two, but most people agree it's wrong to steal and to cheat other people. Most people agree it's wrong to be unfaithful to your spouse, right? Most people I didn't say most people live that way. Everybody lives that way. They don't. Most people agree that lying is not a good thing, even though polls say most Americans do it one time or another, but they still agree it's wrong. Most people agree that racism is wrong, and of course it is, you know. Most people agree that violence is not the preferred solution to our problems, Most people agree that all those things are wrong. On the other side, most people agree that education, environmental responsibility, we may define it differently, freedom, kindness, compassion, that these are good things. Most people agree with that, and so on. I get it, I understand. The devil is often in the details about the policies that ought to flow from those beliefs, and it's some of those details which bring about the disagreements. But it bears being said and remembered that we agree on an awful lot of things. Sometimes what we disagree on are the appropriate means toward the very same end that we are seeking. In other words, we, we agree on the goals but we have differences of opinion on how to get there. Everybody, everybody wants kids to have a good education. Everybody. Despite what you've heard, everybody does. But are, for instance, charter schools good things? What about homeschooling? that a good thing? More or less funding for public schools. Good thing, bad thing. We're going to disagree on some of those means to the end about which we all essentially agree. Now, I realize that many of these issues on which we have this broad consensus agreement are big-ticket items, and there are a lot of people who, though they say these things are wrong, do them anyway. That's what hypocrisy is all about. But even when you get more granular than these very big-ticket things, if you will, you still find some broad moral agreement, if perhaps not quite as much as the big tickets, okay? I mean, aside from a few nut jobs, nobody really thinks abortion is just a great thing to go do. We may differ on whether it's murder or not. I think the Christian position is pretty clear. We may differ on whether it ought to be legal or not, but hardly anybody except let's face it, some nut job says, yeah, abortion's just a great thing to do, right? You can get 95, I would guess, or more percent agreement with that statement. It's just, it's not really, ooh. Even if we think it's legal, it's, ooh, that's bad. It represents a tragedy, okay? broad consensus on that, I believe, all right? Nobody thinks that taking drugs on a regular basis is likely to produce upstanding citizens. <laughs> I mean nobody in any sense thinks that, right? Nut job or two. yeah. People take drugs, yeah. We can argue on whether that should be legal or illegal or to what degree that's fine. but nobody really says yeah, that's, that's going to be that's going to be great for our society if everybody's a druggie, right? We agree on that. I've been reading a book that's great. It's called Truth over tribe. The byline is, pledging allegiance to the lamb, not the donkey or the elephant. I'll preach right there, okay? Uh, The authors, Patrick Miller and Keith Simon, are co-pastors of a church, and they saw all this partisanship that just is dividing us in ways that are both sad and significantly needless, okay? And they wrote this book, about choosing truth over tribe because way too many people are choosing tribe over truth. I don't have any problem saying that because it's as obvious as the nose on my face to me. Should be to you as well. I want to read something. Page 56, um, from truth over tribe. I don't read long passages from books. It's in the long passage, but hang with me. And, uh, and, and, and the particular uh, point is why do we feel so attacked okay. here's what the author's right maybe you're thinking that both sides feel attacked because both sides have become more extreme in their policy positions but is this really true are the policy positions of conservatives in 22 more in 2022? more conservative than they were in 1984? Are the policy positions of liberals in 2022 more liberal than they were in 1984? Every election year, a survey conducted by the American National Election Studies ranks Americans on a policy extremity index. A score of one would mean that the policy positions supported by Democrats and Republicans were extremely far apart. So a one is extremely far apart. A zero would be identical. And, of course, we know that's not the case, all right? In 1984, listen to this. In 1984, Americans of both parties were as close as they've ever been. 84. We scored a .44 in policy difference, okay? Meaning Americans of uh, both parties were a touch closer to consensus than they were to difference. That was nineteen eighty four point four four in twenty twelve Americans were as far apart as they've ever been. They scored a point four nine point zero five percentage points. Okay, separated how close Americans were, Democrats and Republicans, on policy and how far apart they were. According to ANES, that American National Election Studies, this is a very small change. Even at our furthest separation, we agree on a lot more than we think. In other words, If we're polarized, it's not because of policy differences. It's something else. And whatever is polarizing us, it's bad. Ongoing research from the same group found that Democrats like Republicans far less today than they did 30 years ago, and the same is true for Republicans. Both Democrats and Republicans report and I don't want to cry when I say this that they would be happier with their neighborhood if more people from the opposite political party moved out. Most parents say they would prefer their child marry someone with the, with the same politics. Listen to this. Let me say this. I'm stumbling here on this quote. Most parents say they would prefer their child marry someone with the same politics more than the same religious beliefs. Wow. Employers show noticeable prejudice against job applications from people perceived to be in the other party whatever's polarizing us is causing us to think that our other partied neighbors are evil, menacing enemies. Wow. Further, there are lots of issues which are not really matters of right or wrong. And if you're not willing to acknowledge that a whole host of issues cannot be captured on a moral spectrum, then you're just not thinking, I'm just thinking, you're just not thinking deeply enough. I'll list several, just top of my head kind of things here. There is no biblical tax rate. There isn't. And realize that on this issue, if you say, well, I buy the Republican approach, or I am a complete believer in the Democratic position, realize there are people on your other flank. For example, if you are, as a Republican, if you say, well, I am for low taxes because I'm a Republican, there are people who want lower taxes than you do. They're called libertarians. If you're a Democrat and you would raise taxes to fund social programs, there are people on your other flank as well who would raise them even higher, even more. They're called socialists. So to say my position on the tax rate is the morally right one, who do you think you're kidding? I mean really, okay? Okay. There's no biblical tax rate. There's no biblical trade policy. There's no biblical health care policy. Yes, biblical principles should be brought to bear on all of these. But many things we argue, fuss, and fight about don't really have a very clear moral dimension. Let's just be honest. On a lot of issues, our ultimate position will come down to a heavy dose of pragmatism. What do we think will work best? Give us maybe the best bang for our buck. Produce the best results, etc., Well, friends, I've got a little present for you, I guess. When I uh, began this episode, I fully intended to uh, uh, talk about more things than I have thus far, got it all videotaped, got it all on uh, audio, and realized it was longer than I wanted to subject you to in a single sitting, and so I'm going to cut it into two, so uh, next week we'll talk about the second part of how then should we vote. Share this with a friend. If you're enjoying it, if you're getting something out of it, this is how we get the word around, okay? And uh, and make sure you like it. Well, if, if you could take a minute and leave a review, just say, Byron, he's uh, devastatingly good looking. No, you don't have to do that, but... You know, that'd be a good thing, too, if you can find a place to leave a review. I'd appreciate that. Uh, But regardless, thanks for joining me. And until next time, I'm Byron Harvey. And I'm just thinking.